You are listening to LEC Online Church, a ministry of Lake Erie Church in Madison, Ohio. We are a multicultural, multi-generational Pentecostal church. For more information, please visit our website at lakeeriechurch.com. Now, we hope you enjoy today's message. Well, you made it to 2023, and uh, a few weeks ago, probably a couple of months ago, the Lord began speaking to me about today. I don't typically preach on the last Sunday of January and years gone by. We typically have either used one of the communicators from our church or we've had someone else to preach on those days. I typically take that Sunday off. Uh, But the Lord really began dealing with me right in October uh, about today and I started pointing my heart and my preparation to this idea of five questions God wants you to deal with. Now these are five questions that I've been dealing with. So I'm ahead of you in the consideration of some of these because I've been talking to God about my life, who I am, what I am, where I'm going, what's ahead of me in light of these five questions that the Lord put into my heart. But my hope this morning is to challenge you to take home with you something to think about between now and the striking of midnight. I'm going to encourage you to take notes. Uh, You'll be able to go back on social media and and re-watch or listen to the podcast and you can follow from that. But it would not be a bad idea for you to get a piece of paper and a pen and write these five questions down so that you could have them to recall as you think about this. I know there's a lot of activities that you're going to be involved, some of you are going to be involved with. Uh, There'll be some parties and gatherings and, you know, I was talking to one of the ladies in our church a moment ago and I said, well, do you and your husband have some big thing done? She said, yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll be asleep by 8.30 tonight. We're going to trust that the ball is going to fall It's midnight's coming. But whatever your plans are, I'm encouraging you to think about these five questions and form your own answers to those questions because they are significant questions for each and every one of us. You know, if you, if you need information in this time, if you, if you need to know something, uh, most of the time the first thing that you do is you go to Google Google has the answer for almost everything. And so I typed in a few weeks ago, I typed in my Google uh, uh, bar there, most notable things that happened in 2023. What are the most notable things that happened in the year 2023? So as we end this year, what has been the most, among the most notable? Now, just to understand what I'm about to tell you, Google doesn't tell you what was the most notable thing. It tells you what was searched the most in response to that question. So it's going to tell you that when other people typed in most notable things or when they were searching for those things, this was the number one thing that more people wanted an answer to on Google in 2023 or the most notable event in 2023. Anybody got an idea what that would be? Yeah. 
Here's the most notable event searched on Google in 23. Rihanna did the halftime show at the Super Bowl. Now, somebody is going to have to explain this to you who Rihanna is. And let me just give some of you this heads up. She's not on the Gaither videos. She was the halftime uh, artist at the Super Bowl. But when you think about the things that have been notable in your life in 2023, what are they? What are the things that when you look back on this year that you will decide that was a notable thing for me uh, in 20, 2023? And I, I think that as I have been pondering these questions, they are immersed in this idea that whatever 2023 has been, Hopefully, I have learned some things about myself and my relationship to God that will help me moving forward into 2024. And all of these questions are prefaced with the idea that you're about to embark on a new year. So what are you going to do with them? Here's the first question. Are you closer to God right now than you were when you started the year in 23? Are you closer to the Lord? When you look back over the past 12 months, can you with confidence and assurance say, I'm actually closer to the Lord today than I was 12 months ago? Now Jesus said in one of his discourses when he was asked, what is the most important commandment of all in Matthew 22 verse 36 through 40 Jesus said the question was asked teacher what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses Jesus replied you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment in other words this commandment supersedes every other commandment that you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And he said a second is equally important. Equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then he says this very profound thing. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Meaning that everything that God requires is found in the essence of of these two commandments. That we love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. If we get those two right, that's a good thing. So when you start thinking about are you closer to God today than you were 12 months ago, the question I kept asking myself as I meditated on this is how would you know? What Subjective criteria would you use to evaluate whether you are closer to the Lord than you were a year ago? Here are some things you wouldn't do. You wouldn't measure that by how often you came to church. Just coming to church doesn't mean you're closer to the Lord. It's not how much you read your Bible necessarily. 
But I think that when you start evaluating how do I know that I am closer to the Lord today than I was 365 days ago, I ask the question, am I spending more time with the Lord now than I was a year ago? Am I spending more time in prayer, in the scriptures, in, in, in consideration of the work of the Lord? Are the fruits of the Spirit from the book of Galatians, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, are they evident in my life? When you, you that know me, you've been around me, as you see me through the year, are the fruit of the Spirit, are they more evident in my life? Galatians 5 says that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Are those fruits of the Spirit more evident in my life? That would be a sign that I am closer to the Lord than I was 365 days ago. Am I more involved in the mission of God in the world? Am I more engaged with what God is doing on the planet? Am I now more partnered with God for what God is trying to do in bringing lost people to Jesus? Here's another one. Are my relationships with people more God-honoring? Do I have relationships with other people that are more God-honoring? Here's the promise I want to give you as you think about the answer that you would have to that question. The Bible said in James chapter 4, If you draw nigh unto God, He will draw nigh to you. In other words, if you draw nearer to God, if you make an intentional effort to get closer to God, He will, of response, get closer to you. Here's question number two. Is there anybody in my life that I need to have forgiveness with? Now that's really a two-part question because forgiveness runs in two different veins. But this, this question is obviously more personal and potentially more uncomfortable than the first. Because when we think about the relationships that we have with one another and the engagement that we have had this year, it leads us to the question, is there anybody in my life with whom I need to ask to be forgiven? As you end up the year 23, do you need to have a conversation with somebody that you offended that you hurt, that you said the wrong thing, that you did the wrong thing, and you need to make that right before you go through the next year, you need to ask, is there anybody that comes to mind right now as I'm talking about that, you know, maybe I need to call that person and talk to them. I was talking with someone not too long ago that was talking about the relationship that they had with uh, uh, siblings. And they said, well, we, we just, I just don't have any relationship with my siblings. Why not? Because we just, we got off to a wrong track. I said, have you ever, like, asked for forgiveness? No. That's what the question's about. 
Is there anybody in your life this morning that you need to ask them to forgive you? You know, forgiveness is what God did for us through Jesus Christ. You, you sit here today, you are forgiven because God has forgiven you. But that forgiveness is conditional. And here's what it's conditioned on. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, what do you pray? Lord, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then, then the right, Jesus goes on to say, if you don't forgive others of their trespasses, neither will the Heavenly Father forgive you. You want to be forgiven, you have to forgive other people. And sometimes you need to go to people that you potentially may have hurt and just make it right. It's one of the hardest things in the world is to say, I'm sorry. Or to say, I was wrong. But if you want to have a great year, keep a short list of people that you need to forgive and that you need to be, that you need to be forgiven by. Keep your relationships pure. And clean. And it's very important because forgiveness is a powerful scriptural principle in your life. You have to keep your relationships clean. You have to be sure that you have right relationships with people. Because if you don't, it's going to hinder a lot of things in your life that you need. Here's one. It's going to hinder your prayer life. Because if I have a problem with you or you have a problem with me, that's going to come up every time I pray. And Jesus said, what's going to happen is I've got to leave my prayer. I've got to go make it right with you and then come back and then God will hear me. Because God is very interested in you being a man or a woman who have right relationships with other people. You ever heard anybody make this statement? I'll get even with you. If it's the last thing I do, see, that's a messed up person right there. Is that really the last thing you want to do before you leave this earth is get even with somebody? Maybe you go, yes, sir, absolutely. Well, then I'm praying for you. There's such power in being forgiven, isn't there? And there is such power in forgiving one another. Paul said this. He said we should be kind-hearted to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. There was a guy in my life one time that we were good, we were good buddies. And I made a mistake. I did something to him that I should not have done. It was a betrayal of our friendship, I suppose. All the years that we had been together, all the stuff that we had done together, I just wasn't thinking clearly and I made a terrible mistake in our relationship. And it got strained. And it got awkward. And even when we would see each other, we would try to move around it, try to move around it. Even when I would pray, I'd try to call him. He wouldn't take the call. I'd try to text him. He wouldn't respond to the text. 
And I just kept lingering and, and praying and asking God for an open door so that I could apologize and make this right and restore whatever was left of that potential friendship with him. And I just happened to be speaking in a conference where he was. And before I left that conference, I asked him for a moment. And we got in his car and I said to him, I was wrong and I am sorry. There was no excuse for what I did and I'm sorry. And the words that came out of my mouth unlocked something in him that caused him to say, I'm so thankful that we had this conversation and our relationship is being restored. You know why? Because we were willing to find forgiveness for the wrong that had been committed. And we all have them. We have them in our family. We have them in our marriage. We have them with our children. We have them with our co-workers. And we need to be mindful that there are those situations where we need to forgive. And we need to ask for forgiveness. I'll say this and then we'll move on. You know why you haven't forgiven them? Because you're holding out hope that you could do something to them that would help them to know how bad that you feel. It's the only reason you won't forgive them. You want to exact some sort of revenge. You want to get even. But what did God do? God said, you're a sinner. You sinned. You deserve punishment. But I'm going to take that away and put that on Jesus. I'm not going to get even with you because of your sin. I'm going to forgive you and set you free. And when he did that, he gave you and I the example that when we have been offended, we have a responsibility to forgive those that have offended us. And here's another thing. You have to forgive them whether they ask you or not. Some of you were offended by somebody years ago. Maybe, maybe somebody, someone abused you. Somebody took advantage of you. Maybe it was a parent or a family member from years gone by and they never said they were sorry. Maybe they've even passed on and you are not going to have the opportunity to have that conversation. My encouragement to you is to forgive them in your heart so that you can move on with your life. Otherwise, it will mark you for the rest of your life. Here's the third question. Who or what has had your attention this year? Who or what has had your attention this past year? Pastor Stobal Weems writes this, and I love this statement. He says, many well-meaning people attempt to do deep work without interruption and fail because their spirit is wired to devices that beep, ring, buzz, and ding their concentration away. I told you a few weeks ago that the Holy Spirit had been dealing with me and working with me about this idea to be careful that we don't get distracted as a church. Don't allow yourself to become distracted. There are so many voices, so many distractions in the world. So many things that happen that pull us away from the things that God is trying to say and do in our hearts and our lives. And you have to fight for focus. 
You have to fight to keep the enemy from distracting you, from getting your eyes on people and what other people are saying or doing or being involved with. And some of you have. If you're honest with yourself, this year, somebody else had your attention. Somebody else in the world. Maybe you got caught up in the whole political thing and your attention's been over there about all that's going on in the world. And the enemy has used that to pull your attention away so that you haven't heard what God is saying. Maybe you've gotten involved in some uh, dispute or, or issue in your community or in the family or whatever it is. And the enemy used it as a, as a distraction to pull you away from the voice of the Lord. I've told you before about my journey with the Lord here in this room one time. When the Lord told me, you're not listening to me. You're talking a lot, but you're not listening to me. And the revelation of that experience over those months was that God is always trying to talk to us. He's always trying to invest in you. But the question is, does he have your attention? I, I have some attention deficit disorder. Some of you probably know that. Because you've tried to talk to me and you found me at times to be distracted. I do have that experience sometimes. I get, I get distracted easily. And I've learned that you have to fight for focus. You have to fight against the distractions that enemy is trying to place in your heart and your life. And it comes down to what you're looking at and what you're listening to. And I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm not necessarily talking about temptation, although that's a whole other subject. But the fact of the matter, if you're not careful, even in a well-meaning way, your attention can be drawn away from the Lord. And you can be distracted by the things that are going on around you. A number of years ago, I got up early one morning and was having my devotions and I was reading the story in 2 Kings chapter 6. The prophet Elisha has been embroiled in a controversy with the king of Syria. And uh, because of, of how God was using him to warn the kings of Israel about what the Syrian king was doing, the armies of the Syrians came and surrounded the house of Elisha. The servant of Elisha, a man by the name of Gehazi, comes to Elisha and says, Oh, master, we are surrounded by the armies. In verse 17, the Bible, the Bible doesn't say that Elisha even got up and looked. The first thing that Elisha did was he prayed and he said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And when Gehazi looked the second time, he saw the chariots of Israel and the angels of the Lord that were encamped round about them to protect them. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment that day and said, there are things that you cannot see in the spirit unless I help you to see them. Now those angels were there all along. Gehazi couldn't see them until his eyes were opened. And I'm saying to some of you, there are things that God wants you to, to see. There are things he wants to show you, but you have to give him your attention. You have to shut out the distractions of the world. You have to, to shut out the opinions of other people who are trying to pull you in their direction. 
And you have to attune your ears. I, I pray this prayer a lot. Lord, let my ears be tuned in to your voice so that I can hear you and what you are trying to say in my life. Lord, help my eyes to be open to what you're trying to show me so that I can see the things that I can never see without your help. Who has your attention? Question four. What is the biggest threat this year to your spiritual survival? When you think about the coming year, what is the biggest threat to your spiritual survival? Let me tell you about the devil. The devil is a strategist. Now the devil is an angel. He is not equal to God. He doesn't have the same power with God. He doesn't have the authority of God, but he is a strategist. Everything the devil knows about you, you have either shown him or you have told him. Because he can't read your mind. The devil doesn't know what you're thinking. But he's watching you. He's watching you. He's observing what you're doing. And he's looking for the places in your life where you are in fact the most vulnerable. He doesn't know where you're the most vulnerable until you show him. Until there's some revelation that comes to him. But here's the question that I keep coming back to. Do I know where I am the most vulnerable? Do I have a spiritual awareness about myself that enables me to know this is in fact where I am the most vulnerable? This is where the devil is likely to attack me because I am most vulnerable here. For some of you, it may be your, your appetites for things. For some of you, it may be your insecurities about yourself. For some of you, it may be your past experiences, your past addictions, your past proclivities to sin and sinful ways. I was talking with one of our staff members today and I said to her, we were talking and we were talking about fasting and I said, you know, based on what you've been telling me, I would suggest that perhaps your greatest vulnerability is Amazon. I said, I'm not telling you as your pastor, that's what you, that'd be a good thing for you to fast right now is Amazon. But do you know where your vulnerabilities are? Now, the reason that I ask that question, and it's very personal, I understand that. But Paul says this in one of his writings. He said, we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. Meaning that we know what the devil is trying to do. We understand what he is trying to accomplish. So I'm asking you this morning, where are you the most vulnerable? If the devil's strategy is to trip you up or to destroy you this year... Where is he going to come? Where is he going to attack? Maybe that's a good thing to pray about during 21 days. God, where am I the most vulnerable? Where are the weakest places in my life? Where is the enemy likely to attack me and come after me? To try to throw me off of my game? To get me away from you? To pull me away from my faith in Jesus Christ? I thought 
through these days, thinking through this question, I thought about the story of Samson and Delilah. Samson, the champion of God, birthed and raised up to be a deliverer for the people of Israel from the Philistines who were their enemies. But, but Samson had a problem with women. Now, this, this is just me right here. You don't have to pay for this. This is, this, this is me. What was it about Delilah that Samson couldn't leave alone? How dense was Samson to realize that she was trying to discover the secret of his power because she kept trying and trying and trying. And guess what? He kept going back day after day after day. Like a moth flying around a flame knowing it's going to burn me if I get too close. He just kept going back. There came a point because of his insensitivity to his own vulnerability. You know what I'm saying? There came a point when he became so insensitive and unaware of how vulnerable he was that when he really got trapped, he said, ah, I'll just break it like I always had. And the Bible said he did not know that the Lord had departed. He didn't even realize how empty he was because he wasn't paying attention to his own weaknesses. You say to me, oh, that'll never happen to me. Let me explain something to you that you need to hear from your pastor who loves you. You don't know what you'll do if you get in the right situation. You better pray the grace of God over your life every day. You better pray the protection of God over your marriage every day. You better pray the protection of God over your children every day because the devil as a roaring lion is going about. Now, I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm not here to tell you that we should be afraid of the devil, but I am telling you that he is a strategist and he wants to bring you down and you have to understand that this is a war that we are in, but greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Where are you the most vulnerable in 24? Here's the last one. Jerome, come on and get ready to play. Who are you bringing to Jesus this year? When Jesus arrived on the scene, John the Baptist was preaching. And he said, there's one coming after me who's mightier than I. And Jesus was baptized in front of those people, including the disciples of, Jesus, of, of John the Baptist. And some of them began to follow Jesus. And one of them went to his brother and said, Hey, we found him. We found the Christ. And he brought his brother to Jesus. It's one of the great stories of the New Testament. Where one brother went to his own brother and said, I found him. I found the one the prophets were talking about. I, I found the one that we have been looking for our whole life, the Messiah. I found him. Come see. What I hope for every person in this room this morning is that you'll have one of those come see moments this year. That somebody in your life that does not know the Lord will hear you say, I found him. I found the Christ. I found the Savior. I found the answer. Come see.
come see. Four years ago, Shelly and I sat on the stage at Antioch. And we tried to describe to the congregation that day the kind of church that we wanted to be pastors of. A couple weeks ago, I dug in the archives and I found that teaching manuscript. And one of the points in that message that day was, I want to pastor a church that welcomes sinners. That was in January or February, I believe. That July... I was sitting in the sanctuary at Antioch praying and I said to God, why are no sinners coming to these services? We got a wonderful church of people. We love having church. We know how to, you know, ramp it up and worship the Lord and have a great time and go out going, man, what a service. But there's no sinners. Nobody's finding Jesus at this church. And in that moment of interaction with God, I'm not saying I heard the voice of the Lord, but there was some interaction in my mind, my thoughts. I came to realize that we had to adjust the kind of church we were going to be. We had to be less focused on how we feel when we come to church. Less focused about it being what the kind of music that we like or the kind of environment that we like. Start creating an environment where sinners would be welcomed. You say, well, of course they're welcome. Well, listen, if you're a sinner and you walk into a church building like this, you have to understand there's quite a disconnect between you and those people. And there has to be a bridge built. There has to be a pathway that connects this lost person. That connection is Jesus. And so if you were a part of that four years ago, you, you probably sensed it. We started preaching more about Jesus. We started making sure we were singing about Jesus. We were talking about Jesus. We created pathways for people to find Jesus. We talked about people encountering Jesus. We made sure that Jesus became the focal point of what we were doing. And we started seeing people showing up in our church. Sunday after Sunday, week after week, people would raise their hands and say, I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. And do you know since that day, in a very unofficial, kind of unscientific way, more than 200 people have raised their hand to say, I choose Jesus in our church just in those four years. This past year, 98 people in our services Raise their hands that they choose Jesus. Last Thursday night at Judy Bagnell's funeral, five people accepted Jesus at Judy's funeral. And what Lake Erie has become is a church where the Holy Father is sending sinners to our church. What the Lord revealed to me, what God taught me in these years it's been this. Why would, why would God send sinners to a church that wasn't focused on Jesus? He wouldn't do it. The Bible said the work of the Holy Spirit is to talk about Jesus and draw people to Jesus. 
And it doesn't matter how loud we sing. And it doesn't matter what songs we sing. If we're not bringing people to an encounter with Jesus, he's not sending them. Your singing can break the rafters. Your building can impress everybody. But if you're not talking about Jesus, if you're not giving people the opportunity to encounter him, he's not sending them. Your sinner friends are going, ah, never mind, I'm not coming to church. But if we make it about Jesus, what am I saying? I'm saying that if you want to bring somebody to Jesus this year, you have to talk about Jesus. You have to make Jesus the focal point of your life. That doesn't mean you have to be a radical, fanatical person that nobody wants to hang around. No. But it means that every opportunity, Lord, give me a chance to talk about you. I started praying this prayer four years ago. Lord, help me talk more about Jesus than I do about my church. Because if I just win you to my church, you may be lost and never go to heaven. But if I talk about Jesus, if I help you to understand Jesus, you can go to heaven whether you come to my church or not. I prayed with a man not too long ago and he gave his heart to the Lord and he said to me just not not many days ago because I was inviting him to come on Christmas. He said, well, you know, we've got, our family's got another church. I said, I don't care. That's fine with me. You don't have to go to Lake Erie Church to go to heaven. You can go from that church, but you don't have to go to that church. The thing I want to make sure is got your relationship right with Jesus. So bow your head, close your eyes. I want you to think about something with me right here. If it's in your power, if it's within the possibility who would you want to bring to Jesus this coming year? Now you can't save them, but you can bring them to Jesus. Who comes to your mind right now? Is there a schoolmate? Is there a friend? Is there a family member? I know some of you sitting here have got children that don't know Christ. Who do you want to bring to Jesus this year? my Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you have done in this room today. And I pray, Father, that you have provoked something in us. That there's something that's happened on the inside of us that we won't be the same. And in the hours between now and the end of this day, you cause our minds to reflect on some of these things in Jesus name we hope you were blessed by today's message now we invite you to visit one of our services soon for more information please visit us at lakeeriechurch.com